Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. First, we will talk about Recently Watched, which we're going to try not to spoil. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find the music digitally on Amazon or Apple Music, and say hello to them on Facebook where they are, the Moon-Rays. We're not professional critics. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Hello. Guys, we got past Halloween since yeah. last time. Yes. Well, it was Halloween last time. <clears throat> and, uh, wow, we, uh, we got a record number of trick-or-treaters. Did you? Yeah. We got 22 kids. I think it was six groups total, but, um, just totally surprising. Did you, uh, get any at all, Will? No. See, you're a five-minute drive from where I live, but something about... I don't turn on the porch light. Oh, that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) You think it had anything to do with my four-foot-tall black cats with the fake fire pots? It might might bring the kids. The jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, might draw them in. (laughs) Because I'm just like, hmm, I've got some pumpkins the squirrels have gotten, too. You, you You definitely treated the squirrels this year. Yeah, I always treat the squirrels well. Yeah, I came over to get uh, the movie from you for next week, and there were a lot of seeds and a big hole bored into the nice white pumpkin. Yeah, um, I don't think they cared for the white pumpkins, because it took them a long time to get through. Maybe they're just harder. Maybe. I think maybe they just don't like pumpkin flesh as much as, say, you know barbecue sauce packets from McDonald's or something. Whatever city squirrels eat. I saw a squirrel with a sauce packet one time. You know, that little very obvious square little packet. And it it had in its mouth and it was going up the tree with it like it had, you know, the greatest prize ever. Yeah. I just could picture that squirrel up in my attic. (laughs) Looking up barbecue sauce or ranch dressing or something. I, I found a uh, grilled cheese sandwich with like three bites taken out of it in my backyard one time. And I, at first, was just angry. I'm like, who the hell and why would they? Arr! And then I realized, you know, a squirrel took this out of someone's garbage. It was right underneath the power line. They were walking along with it. And they dropped it. They dropped it in a yard where dogs live. Oh, man. So I luckily I found it before the dogs did, because who knows <laughs> what that would do to them. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we're well into November now. Yeah, November's a real thing. Um, <laughs> I was... <laughs> Jolie... <laughs> it's a conspiracy, I tell you. Yeah. There's no November. Jolien, you didn't get to hear the story yet, but when I picked up that movie from Will, I told him about a thing yesterday where 
literally one block from where we're sitting, we were pulling out onto the street, the main street, and uh, there was what looked like a mannequin, flat on its back, stiff as a board looking, kind of fake looking hair, and uh, my wife says, is, is that a, like someone's decoration, somebody's mannequin, a dummy, what is it? And I said, doesn't look real, but it's just kind of, it, it was wearing like a, a suit that looked like a thrift store suit that had just gotten dirty. Uh-huh. I thought this is absolutely somebody's front porch thing that someone took and chucked onto the corner, but it's right exactly in the corner of a very busy street. All of a sudden the head just jerked to the side <laughs> and looked away. And we're both just like, do we call 911? What do we do? And I was just like, um, I think we should, but then maybe this person's just having a little lie down and looking at the clouds. What it's such a busy intersection. I mean, that, if it wasn't already called in, was, you know, called in soon. But um, one of the podcasts that talks about true crime says, it's never a mannequin. <laughs> it, it just never is. One, and, di- one time it's going to be. Yeah. Well, then, <clears throat> then we'll score a free mannequin. You'll be like, oh, look, there's a dead body. Let's go poke <laughs> it. Call the cops. Everybody will come out, and then they'll they'll go over and they'll find out. Oh, it's just a mannequin. The, li- <clears throat> the lips are painted on. Couldn't you tell this was a mannequin? And then you put the real body under the mannequin. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what you want to do. Zing. <laughs> Cover it in wax. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. When we had the body on our porch, uh, we called like the not nine one one, but the other number, and asked what to, what to do. <laughs> eight one one, you know. Slightly Three one one one, eight one one. It's not really an emergency, but if you have some time later, maybe you could stop by and help us out. But they they said we should should go out and uh, and poke it and uh, <laughs> make you know, see if it's alive or not. And um, uh, so we went out there and just just wait to see it breathe. And um, said, "Yeah, he's he's alive." And uh, then they turned up, and it was like a fire engine and an ambulance. They put on gloves and masks and stuff uh, to keep themselves safe while they were dealing with this guy who turned out to just be this drunk who was, you know, taking a night off on his way home. And uh, yeah, they didn't tell us to be you know, protect ourselves at all. <laughs> so, you know, go out and give him a shove. Yeah. Oh, go out and ask <laughs> him his name. Yeah, that's the first thing they want. We'll wanted. wake him up. You know, I realize that I have, uh, not counting this time because I didn't call it in, but the three other times I've had to call in have all been within the last five years, and they were all passed out or overdosing people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of them was definitely overdosing. Uh, he was crawling on all fours, and he had a lot of drool coming out of his mouth, and he was kind of pawing at the air. You know, I apologize for that. <laughs> I don't know why you keep bringing it up. It wasn't that much drool. <laughs> uh, I had to stand there, and uh, the guy was on his back, and I thought, oh, should I move him over? And then one of the neighbors walked over and just rolled him over with his foot. I was like, okay, yeah. he's seen this before. Um, but I waited for the for the EMTs to show up. But I... I had like 
flashbacks of that later and it felt really upsetting thinking back on it it's like i think i watched a guy die but uh, maybe not maybe not yeah. they might have just shot him with some narcan and he snapped out of it just like in pulp fiction you know sure yeah and another one was a woman passed out in her running vehicle like head back full snore mm-hmm. expression on her face and again they asked me to go over and see if she's breathing i'm like i'll drive past her and I just swung way over and stuck my head out the window, and I could see her chest move. And I went, "Uh huh, yep, she's breathing." So now you know. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, this is eight one one. We'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> we'll, we'll put. She's a- gone by then, I guess. You know, we don't have to do the paperwork. <laughs> right. So let's all hope for the best. Yeah. We're uh, the lazy cops. <laughs> yeah. We play, we play softball. <laughs> we play, we're both good cops here. Right. We're going to show up and play good cop, good cop. <laughs> who wants to do the, the recently watched? Uh, who the hell can remember what they watched recently? Did you watch any Frankensteins? I watched no Frankensteins. How about Rob Zombie movies? I watched no Rob Zombie movies. I watched no Halloween movies. Uh, Wait, are they on the shit list too? Yeah, there's no Halloween movies. Oh, okay. That was after 2018. I was uh, like, no, no more Halloween for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm officially done with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, what if? And were- that's not the first time I've said that with Halloween, though. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was Halloween 3 2 and they just came back with the uh, the masks? Well, that's that's what the next one's going to be. Yeah, that's if what they, I want. If they go with Will's idea, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I want. <clears throat> yeah, um, I will go for that. Um, hopefully, they can get Rob Zombie back to direct for uh, three. I would two or whatever it would yeah. be. Three point two. Yeah, that that was something. Three twenty twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, give it a give it a name, right? So, what have you watched? A uh, bunch of nonsense on YouTube. I found a pretty good little uh, comedy review. They're real short. They're like five minutes. Uh, called Pitch Meeting. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen this guy. He plays both roles. He's no. Both the executive and the guy who's pitching him the script, and he just you know has you know points out the dumbest things in movies and it's pretty good um as far as movies i don't know what i watched this week uh if anything wow yeah well busy times right i guess jolian have you watched anything yeah um what you got well uh, i got my own copy of the yokai collection um, oh, nice! The uh, so it's from Arrow Video, based in the UK, mm-hmm. and then they have um, a US distributor, right? And the US distributor sold out before they sent out the comp copies, so none of the people who contributed to the set got a copy uh, until a couple of days ago. Cool. So you got yours? Yeah, and they had to send them from the UK, so they're like region free UK edition. But you have a region free regional free the, player. The, 
Well, if Region 3, it can play on anything. It can play oh, on anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, the UK is Region B for Blu-rays. Oh, okay. Um, so, anyway, uh, I am, I've just got that on my shelf. I haven't had time to open it. Um, but, it's, but it's adorned with your artwork. Yeah. And then next weekend, uh, uh, Denver has various sister cities around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the, so the, it's the turn of the Japanese one next weekend. Oh, nice. Uh, Takekawa. And uh, so uh, they've gotten various people to do presentations about various Japanese culture. Well, that's cool. Subjects. Nice. So I'm doing yokai. It's just like 15 minutes. Yeah, but still. Uh, and then cool. um, Mark Suggs is doing Godzilla. And, um, yeah, so that's that's next weekend. Uh, and then I've started um, a new project with the guys who did Creepshow, but I can't talk about that. And uh, uh, But that's kept me busy. Mm-hmm. I, I did manage to watch uh, one film. Um, I watched that slasher I mentioned last time. I wasn't able to get you a copy because it was, it was too big to send. Okay. Um, uh. <clears throat> but this is uh, it's called Death Screams. Okay. From 1982. And uh, I saw a review of it saying a bland early 80s slasher f- fair. And you said, <laughs> that sign got, me up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that just set my pulse racing. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at <laughs> bland. Yeah. <laughs> slasher I've not seen before. It's bland. It's early 80s. Okay. And it was. Uh, this Death Screams is also known as House of Death and Night Screams. Uh, director is David Nelson. I mean, it could only be better if it was filmed in Canada, but it's not. Oh. It's actually a regional film, so that might excite you if you're okay, into regional films. Yeah. Um, filmed in uh, Shelby, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, so this is from uh, uh, David. David Nelson directed it, and he was actually in uh, The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Okay, okay. And he directed some episodes of that. Um, and his first wife was June Blair, who was Playboy Playmate of January 1977. No, January 1957, sorry. 57, okay. Uh, yeah, June or... Yeah, I think June 57, yeah. What was um, her name? Er, June Blair. June Blair, okay. B-L-A-I-R. Anyway, um... This will come back into relevancy. Okay. So the uh, tagline on the poster is, he wants their bodies in pieces. Ooh. <laughs> um, so you've got uh, Susan Keeger as Lily Carpenter. Now she is the only, fir- you know, the, the most well-known person in the cast because she was Playboy Playmate of 1977. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, it's like a really low budget, very poor lighting and staging. Um, the effects might have looked good, but they're so poorly staged, you can't tell you what's can't going, what's on, going on. Then <laughs> they're over. Uh, clocks in 88 minutes. So Oh, well, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be more it, perfect for you, can it? It went up a letter grade right there. Yeah. So it's regional. It's 88 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's bland. Lo- bland. <laughs> Early 80s. Uh, I can see why this is appealing. Yeah. The, I, I immediately love the opening title graphics because they like, it's, it's like uh, the typeface of the day and then oh. blood dripping off the last letter. Oh, man. <laughs> How sounds, original. This sounds good. Um, then you've got a couple <clears throat> being killed off and it was really hard to figure out what's happening to them, but suddenly they're drowning. 
<laughs> I think they were being strangled, but it's hard to tell. <laughs> but anyway, they end up in the floating in the river, and they continue to float in the river from time to time throughout the rest of the movie. Really? They just keep turning up. <laughs> keeps going back to the river with these corpses floating <laughs> for days. Um, wow. So anyway, uh, I've got to wipe my eyes a bit. Anyway, um, there's this uh, local store. Uh, it's one of those small town local stores, and all it sells is like uh, magazines, comics, and cigarettes. So it's just like Hustler, Marlboro. <laughs> the kids are just sitting there reading stuff. Um, there's, and there's a bunch of 30 year old high school grads. Uh, who are wondering what they're going to do when they go off to college. And uh, they, so most of the movie is them just wandering around. They go to the fairground. Um, they go to the river and party. They go to the cemetery and they tell ghost stories. That's, that's the bulk of the movie. <laughs> uh, uh, I like the name of the assistant cameraman who's Gene Poole. Gene Poole? Gene Poole. Um, my favourite line is from... Uh, Grandma Edna Carpenter, played by Helen Tran, she says, uh, if his brains were TNT, he couldn't master a good fart. Huh. Wow, you're supposed to say he couldn't blow his nose. But, okay. Anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, it was great. Sounds good. I think I'll check it out. Yeah, Death Screams. Death Screams. <clears throat> All right. So that was it. Wow. Well, since we did this last, um, <clears throat> I think where I left off with my uh, 31 days, and I, by the way, did hit 31, um, if, I, if I count a very short feature called It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do count that. I watch that. Yeah. I, I watch it every year. Um, if I count that, I made 31 movies in October that were horror or Halloween related. And um, one of them was... Uh, Body at Brighton Rock, and it's about this woman who's a... Um, I think you mentioned that one. Did I mention yeah, that yeah, last, last time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Antlers. We talked about uh -huh, that uh -huh. in, at length. Um, <clears throat> then the one I did not talk about would have been uh, The Night Eats the World. I'm pretty sure I did not talk about that mm -hmm. one. And this no. one this one is a zombie movie where... Is it a French one? Yes. Yeah. Where the guy is um, stuck in the apartment... Uh, he, what's crazy is it's all in English. Like it's not overdubbed. Mm. It's just in English cause that's the choice they made. But, uh, but they wanted to, um, they wanted to show this guy as, uh, sort of an underdog. He just really wanted to get his stuff from his recently ex-girlfriend, a few boxes of things and just get out. And then she's got a party going on and she's kind of encouraging him to stick around. He doesn't want to. But he does, and uh, for whatever happens, I think he ends up passed out in the room where the boxes are, and hears a bunch of noise out there, and realizes there's crazy goings on, so he um, barricades himself in and waits. Then um, when he investigates, he finds that there's been a zombie apocalypse while he slept, and he's one of the few remaining uh, survivors and uh, has to figure out what to do. Uh, he does find his way into some other apartments. He does have a few close calls and makes some really, really dumb choices, <laughs> which 
a couple of them could have killed him, but uh, he was either uh, persistent or or fortunate enough uh, to to get away from whatever the danger was and get back to where he needed to be. Um, he goes to rescue a cat, which I think is admirable, mm-hmm. but you know what? Cats are quick. You try and catch a cat that isn't yours, you're not going to catch that cat. <laughs> the zombies aren't going to catch the cat, but he wants a friend. So there's a there's some some slips in between reality and his kind of imagined world a couple times in the movie. And that's not much of a spoiler, but uh, he finally makes a decision, um, you know, how to move on. And that's about all I could really say about the movie without spoiling it. I, you know, really am not interested in new zombie movies, but I read this this description a couple times over the last couple years and finally decided, you know what, I'm going to watch this. And I'm glad I did. It was actually pretty good. Oh, okay. So I think that's all I got since last time. Um, so we can move on to talk about Christine, if you guys are ready. Sure. Will, you picked this. Yeah. Tell us why. Um, Tell the listeners why. We know why. I hadn't seen it in a long time. That's a good reason. And I was thinking of John Carpenter movies. Yeah. I was thinking it was Dean Cundey that did the cinematography. No, it's Donald Morgan on this one. Right. But there's some similarities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that perspective thing and the light, the shafts of light. Yeah, the anamorphic lens effect on the lights. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I I stuck that on the cover. Yeah. (laughs) So cool. Um, So you picked this one because uh, you hadn't seen it in a while. And I hadn't seen it in, you know, a long time. Like a handful of years. Uh probably 20 wow really yeah and you happen to have a copy that you got from Julian last time we did the Halloween quiz I did that's nice <laughs> yeah because they got this behind a paywall but no, not a very uh, why oh well, yeah why I mean it's good but you know it's it's old enough just let people yeah, watch it it's from like 1983 I don't yeah yeah around the time I read the it's book it's 40 years old so god freed was... up yeah yeah that's what the people want so uh when do you think you saw it first Ooh, good question back in the uh, vhs rental days back in the vhs rental days at some point yeah for listeners who don't know will grew up in a small town in new mexico and had a friend whose parents owned a movie rental place yeah so we watched a lot of movies growing up that is so cool yeah um i don't remember when we saw christine for the first time but it was a good one. It was on repeat a numerous times. Probably not as much as something else like The Fly or something with real gross out effects, but right. uh, it was in there because it was it was always a fun movie to watch. Yeah, the kids didn't seem like they were thirty years old when you were, you know, ten or whatever when you were watching this. <laughs> yeah, if you're ten watching this, you, you know, even if you're, you're like, well, this looked like real high school students to me. They could be. And then you get on the other side, and you're like, mm, those kids look like they're 28. Finish paying off the mortgage just about when they're going to get out of high school. <laughs> yeah, Buddy Repperton looks like he's done with college. <laughs> That's such a good villain name for a Stephen King villain. Buddy Repperton. Oh, he's managing the grocery store now. Why is he picking on us? <laughs> right. He has kids himself in high school. <laughs> yeah, his his villains are scary because it seems like they would really kill you. 
Yeah, you have to wonder how awful Derry, Maine was. Or <laughs> Bangor. Bangor, Maine, or wherever it was that he grew up. Yeah. Um, Man, the East Coast bullies must be serious. Yeah. It sounds like a terrible place. Yeah. Like, not just, like, they'll beat you up, but they'll cut your throat. Yeah. That was weird. Although maybe, you know, it was a lot of talk. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But that's back when, you know, one kid could beat up another kid, and then the, you know, the parents don't want to get involved because, you know, the kid's got to learn to fight his own battles. And and then that kid disappears, and you blame it on an evil clown. <laughs> right. <laughs> the whole town moves on. Because the kid was a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and who really wants to fight an evil clown? That doesn't sound good. <laughs> Let's just ignore it. <laughs> Hope it goes away. Yeah, sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Less we can make money off the evil clown. Did you find it scary as a kid, this movie? No, I don't think so. But I don't remember it ever being scared. I don't remember being scared of most horror movies, with the exception of maybe Alien. Right. And the first... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for some reason. Oh, yeah. I don't quite know why, but... You were young enough and Freddy I could I was do... young enough and it was because he could come through your dreams. He couldn't get away. He could do things... Yeah. Now are... you're like, mm, Freddy's not that... No. That movie's not that very not very good. No, he's, he's a joker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you read the book, though? I do. I did read the book, although... I can't remember anything about it. I remember enjoying it. It was uh, before Tommyknockers. That's when I ruled out Stephen King for a long time. Yeah. Because it was so bad. <laughs> well, um, did you read the book, Julian? Yeah. So do you remember the part where the, the first owner of the car was an apparition hanging out in the back seat yeah, yeah. talking to Arnie? Yeah. Um, was it Roland LeBay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a whole other dimension to what was going on that uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't do in this movie, and I didn't know why they didn't, but... Well, they had to cut out huge chunks. Yeah, and that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did watch the DVD extras this afternoon, and they said for two reasons, that one being one, and the other one was they just did this in... An American Werewolf in London. Right, right. And it would look like a copycat thing. Yeah, the Griffin Dunn character. Yeah. yeah. Who's, you know, continuing to decompose throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's good they didn't do it, but man, in the book that was creepy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they went into a lot of detail about the car and him working on it and some stuff that just, you know, you don't need to know. You just got to see him doing it. Yeah, it goes into all his, what he's doing for, um, uh, Darnell. Darnell, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that garage kind of reminded me of a grandiose scale of what the high school shop was like. Because if you had a, a car that you wanted to work on, um, I think the seniors in high school could have that car in the student parking lot and pull it in during their, um, during their class and work on it. Uh-huh. And, you know, you'd, you'd get you know, the expertise of the instructor and your classmates, and you could fix up an old car. That was kind of cool. And this kind of reminded me of, like, yeah, you just got all these bays where people could do that and a little junkyard outside to pick from. Yeah. 
Seems like kind of a cool setup. That would be a pretty good setup. Yeah. Yeah, I like old cars, so it it's uh, something that I'm probably going to burden myself with in the future. But Fixing up some old car. Yeah. Oh, you my brother does that. Oh, really? He fixed up a Jaguar XJS. Wow. Did he do his own work, or did he hire out the hard stuff and no, do... No, no, he, he did it. He's, all of it? He's, yeah, he's, there's like... He sent me copies of uh, the Jaguar magazines, and they have features on him fixing his oh, wow. Jaguar. That is so cool. I, I really have to get a guest on the show, speaking of restoration, because uh, Rudy, who we had on the um, the Mask Collector, is also a car guy to the nth degree, and he restored a Phantasm 71 Cuda, hmm. the Hemi Cuda. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Mopars... Um, he uh, he did what they call a rotisserie uh, restoration, where they literally turn the car over and do every inch of it from the ground up. And then uh, it's showroom quality when it's finished. And just like, you know, what you're seeing on screen with Christine, you know, these things look like big pieces of candy. They're so well restored. Yeah. Or in this movie, probably um, shot really well to look fully restored. But I think they had two show cars, and then the rest of them were just, like, built to... Uh, yeah, I think they had 17 yeah, cars. Yeah, of which two survived. Mm-hmm. And those were probably the show, the showroom quality ones. Um, I think it was episode 190 where uh, I interviewed the caretaker of the Christine mm-hmm. restoration car. And uh, he had some stories. I, I recommend listeners go back and listen to that one. But... Uh, so was he dressed in a back brace vest and he should a have been filthy back back brace, <laughs> grizzly beard? He should have been. No, he he was a really cool guy. Um, the the thing that uh, he said was that when they started digging through where the the cars had been, he didn't, but the the person who rebuilt the thing restored it. I think it was Bill Gibson. Um, went through like these piles and piles and it would be like oh look at this fender and then pick it up and it turns out it's a rubber fender that they used you know for one of the the scenes where the car restores itself mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> they, they went through a lot of disappointment oh i would have taken that it would yeah you made a whole rubber car <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about accidents no but uh yeah for listeners who don't know the uh the scenes where the car restores itself they just uh had hydraulics and rubber fenders and doors and and uh, just uh, pulled the thing inward and then ran it in reverse. Mm-hmm. And you get the watch. They flip the camera as well. So that yeah, well, I didn't understand that. Like flipping it upside down did what? I don't know how. What? I, yeah, I don't understand it either. But it, it saved um, going through another stage of processing. So they had the original negative. Yeah. So it wouldn't deteriorate. Yeah, that's weird. They doing some sort of composite? What were they doing? I don't know, but uh, in the uh, DVD extra, they said that they flipped the camera upside down in order to be able to... Carpenter referred to it as a poor man's reverse or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know why upside down... Yeah, so that when they were, when they were having to reprint... Oh, maybe it, so you normally f- you'd have to reprint it. So it'd be another generation uh, to to get the forward motion. Okay. Um, 
So maybe what this does is it allows you to flip the film over and then mm. switch it end for end. That's exactly that, what it does. That's what it is. There yeah. we go. We figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you don't have to. You just flip it over and it runs the right. When you run it the right way, it's running backwards now. Okay. Because it's flipped over. <clears throat> That That's pretty smart. Yeah. That is a good trick, John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, having uh, good mold makers. Yeah, that was uh, Roy Arbogast, is the mechanical effects guy, and he worked on the thing. That's the name of the detective in Psycho. Mm-hmm. Arbogast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do we know what else he worked on? Shall I look that up? Roy Arbogast? Yeah. Um... Yeah, let's see. Let's see if I can... Uh, is, I think it was on Starman as well. Oh, wow. Probably. Jeff Bridges. That's going to bring me around to another point about this movie. Did you guys notice? Huh. What? You didn't notice? Okay. When uh, when the girlfriend is choking on the hamburger, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, the guy that comes over and finally gets her out of the car and gives her the Heimlich maneuver is wearing the dude sweater. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same sweater that just a handful of years later the dude would be wearing in uh, The Big Lebowski. It's that same Pendleton sweater. <laughs> I think Starsky wore one of those as well, didn't he? He wore some version of that, yeah. That was apparently very trendy in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been kind of the dude's heyday. And that's yeah. why he's still wearing it in the 90s when mm. The Big Lebowski takes place. But uh, yeah, let's see what um, what Roy Arbogast worked on. Let's see. Mm-hmm. If we go to uh, IMDb, it's pretty accurate. Just make up movies. Oh, he worked on They Live. Uh huh. The Fugitive, Close Encounters, Escape from New York. Wow. Um, lots of cool stuff. Um. And also things like the Rage Carry too. Uh, let's see. He worked on uh, Blood Rage. <laughs> he worked on Blood Rage. Uh, let's see. He worked. Man, it's coming up soon. Dante, Dante's I'm gonna watch peak. Blood Rage all day on Thanksgiving, <laughs> over and over and over. Uh, let's see. Naked Gun Two and a Half. The Smell of Fear. <laughs> there are a lot of effects in that that series. Um, Three Amigos, uh, Midnight Run, Starman, as you mentioned, Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Wow, that was the third movie. Why does it say six? <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. It's the one that's got the teddy bears. That's they CD. never even finished that one. I heard. <laughs> never came out. The Thing. He worked on The Thing. Um, a nineteen seventy nine Dracula, and you'll be happy to hear this. Will Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Ooh. Yeah, what do you think he made? Like the coconut car, the bamboo washing machine? I don't know. Jaws 2, Embryo, a lot of movies. He goes back to the mid-70s. So this guy uh, apparently um, knows what he's doing. That's always pretty nice. Um, Jolene, what really worked best for you in this movie? Oh, I love the photography on it. It is gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, same guy did Elvis. Oh. And, and Starman. Oh, yeah. Wow. D- Donald Morgan. Yeah, but so, the blacks are so good. Yes. Yeah, this this takes place at night a lot. Yeah, and there's, there's just uh, wonderful images in it. 
um, like the the, the uh, Christine on fire, just beautiful, oh, it's oh, gorgeous. Man, that's a good it's one shot. Of the great shots. Yeah, um, yeah, that stunt man was probably wasn't messing the around. best part of the movie with the car <laughs> is on fire. Yeah, yeah, that stunt man. He, he, I forget his name. I'm afraid Terry something. But so he, he's he's in this armored suit, and he has to be inside this car which is on fire in a garage which is on fire. So he comes speeding out. Then he has to reverse out. Yeah. With his car which keeps stalling. Oh, of course. And then and then the windows are blacked out, so he can't see. Right. And then he has to drive through the remains of the gas station and down a highway without killing the actor. <laughs> it's just stunning. I mean, that's that's a big tribute to what a stunt driver is not just capable of, but willing to do. Mm-hmm. That's a, risking your yeah, own life. I was wondering if there was any, <clears throat> any way he saw at all, or if those windows were truly blacked out completely. <laughs> so I really watched it. I think yeah they just blacked him out completely and just had him drive they just had a, a little part scraped out the size that's of what i was wondering yeah <laughs> just look just look through that little tiny slot yeah yeah um like you mentioned like all this stuff you know it's, it's so dark and you don't lose anything in the dark mm-hmm. like you see everything you need to see oh yeah this is it's so well composed there's such accuracy in the compositions yeah and, and Carpenter was so happy with everyone working on the picture, and he's a notorious grouch, mm-hmm. and he just had nothing but good things to say, and he said it was his easiest job as a director, directing this one, because yeah. of how good everyone was. Um, yeah, I saw this, um, this is the first film I went to see twice in one week. Oh, nice. Um, so it's one of the first horror movies I was old enough to see as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just loved it. I still love it. And the, um, ca- the casting was great. So good. Yeah, because you really... Like, they kind of exaggerated Arnie a little bit at the beginning. Like, he didn't need to be that much of well, a they had to push. They had to push how, how nerdy he was so that they could do the transformation. Yeah. Dramatically, but it was fine. It was fine. I almost wish they had... And stuff, wasn't it? So you had those characters. Those nerdy characters, yeah. yeah. I almost wish there was... I mean... On one hand, I really like how tight the script is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing unnecessary in there. I almost wish there was a little bit more of Arnie and maybe his family and being a little more wishy-washy nerd kid mm-hmm. uh, to contrast more with how, you know, when he f- tells his parents, like, like, fuck off or whatever, and he <laughs> yeah. goes, to make that really stand out, it's like... Uh, wow, this kid's, you know, changed. Yeah, those were the days when if a parent... Oh, you wouldn't say that to your parent no, in 1978. You'd be beaten. They'd backhand you and not get in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody would all... be like, mm, that kid had it coming. Yeah, <laughs> take you down the police station and the, the cops would probably slap you around too. Yeah. yeah. The cops would be like, do you want us to take him and stick him in a cell? and yeah. We'll lock him up for the night. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this um, th- this journey, though, I mean, like I said, he, I think he was just a little exaggerated at the beginning. He could have dialed, you know, not he, but, you know, the the overall work could have been dialed down a little bit. Because, you know, him, you know, losing the garbage and then stumbling I, around I, in the puddle. I, I, I thought it was fine. It was, I, cause I, I at, at the time, I was, you're seeing those characters a lot on, on yeah. screen. And... Yeah, I guess so. And uh, they didn't make him a total 
uh, stumbling doofus. Stumbling doofus, though. You're right. Um, he tries to crack jokes and be cool, but yeah, and he does have some friends. He's not yeah. a total, uh, you know, outcast at school. And Dennis, his his best friend, who's a jock, yeah, you know, hasn't uh, you know turned away from him because he's in with the football crowd. Mm-hmm. He's stayed loyal to him, which is really a cool trait yeah, in that character. You get the idea that childhood friends, yeah, yeah, like they grew up together, and he just you know never turned his back on him, mm. which is really cool. Um, <laughs> uh, the the character actors that were cast for this oh were just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, the guy that plays Darnell. Uh, Robert Prosky. Yeah. He's just that. He's so good. He's just gross and. Wonderful face. Yeah, he's got that face. You know, he's he's probably paid a, played a lot of uh, hicks and truck drivers and, you know, what, kind of, what are all these different rough characters over the years. And, you know, the standout, of course, Harry Dean Stanton as, uh, as the detective uh, Junkins. He's good in everything he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in Escape from New York. Yeah, that's right. Another carpenter. Um, and Robert's Blossom is uh, George LeBay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got him. Um, I can't say that I ever saw uh, William Ostrander, the guy who played Buddy, Buddy Repperton. Um, but he just looked like you've seen him before. He looks like this jerk that you've seen before. And he's kind of got Travolta's hair, yeah. you know, of the era. And, uh, well, speaking of Travolta's hair, Kelly Preston is in this, <laughs> who later married uh, Travolta's Travolta. hair. <laughs> she, she married all of Travolta, <laughs> not just... I think she married him for his hair. And then found out it, he didn't really have hair. Right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Kelly Preston, not the, the, the female lead in this one at all, but... Uh, she played the mom, right? Uh, no, she didn't. Um... She played the car. <laughs> Christine Belford played uh, Regina Cunningham, but um, that was the car. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of funny. Uh, that uh, if you watch the DVD extras, the female lead who the who played Lee Cabot was uh, Alexandra Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, unbeknownst to uh, John Carpenter, she had a twin sister, and. She got her in costume and got her up on the uh, the bulldozer for this one scene. And uh, she wasn't a trained actress at all. And uh, Carpenter's staring at her like, there's something wrong, there's something wrong here. And then she walked up behind him and startled him. <laughs> she goes, what are you looking at, John? Or something like that. And then he's seeing double. He's seeing the same woman twice and kind of freaked him out a little. That's one of those fun things. Yeah. Like Linda Hamilton has a twin sister. I was going to say, that's like Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Well, how about, there's another Terminator connection. Oh, what is it? This is the first movie that used Bad to the Bone, George Thorogood Oh, okay. Track. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was brand new when they... Yeah, I was going to say movie, that came then, out about that time. Yeah, then the next year was Terminator. Yeah. The first Terminator movie, and then it was used in Terminator 2. That's right, it was, because they do, like, one of the uh, gear-up sequences or whatever. Yeah, Terminator 2, when he's, I think when he's, he gets dressed for the first time and goes to the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever you have a gearing-up sequence, you have to have the right song for it. Yeah. Yeah, um, the transformation, though, back to Ernie. 
oh man, you know, just the uh, one of the things I didn't know that they did. I'm because I'm, I'm watching the costume as it goes, you know, the different outfits that he has on, and I watched the DVD extras, and they said that they wanted it to just kind of hearken to the era of the late fifties. Yeah, that red jacket looks yeah. like one in Rebel Without a Cause. That's what it? I was thinking. Yeah. And uh, like the leather vest, you know, you, get, you just get some of that stuff that just feels Arnie's hair is kind of combed a little differently. So mm-hmm. he's not quite a greaser, but kind of, yeah, it worked. Um, and he just gets incrementally more confident, which is something I really thought was uh, like a real tribute to the actor, mm-hmm. you know, because he... He brought it. He brought it gradually, and obviously the director has a lot to do with it. And, and he, but uh, it, it just it didn't feel so abrupt. Like there were stages at which he was like pushing back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, you know, hunted down his uh, shitters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I sent you a photo of Keith Gordon holding the book. I did the cover for. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, I was very happy to see that. He's done a lot of directing since this. Yeah. Midnight Clear. And yeah. Yeah, he's a good director. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I went through his list, and uh, I think I still have the page up. And b- before Christine, he worked with uh, Brian De Palma in a couple of movies. Oh, okay. Uh, Dressed to Kill. Yeah, he's... He, um, he's home he's, Movie, I think that was the other one. Hmm, I don't know that one. He said that uh, you know he he was closely watching what Carpenter was doing because he wanted to learn more. Oh yeah, I was questioning him. Yeah, which is great because you know when you're doing when you're doing what this guy's doing, uh, I mean you look at it, it's like like you said, a Midnight Clear was '92. He did one before that called The Chocolate War, which I'm not familiar with. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. Uh, TV series, he did a bunch of stuff, but he did Waking the Dead in 2000. Um, he's done episodes of uh, Gideon's Crossing. Uh, and oh, he's done loads of TV. Yeah, House, uh, The Killing. The Killing is great. That was 2011 through 2013. Dexter, he did a bunch of Dexter episodes. Uh, ten of them, in fact. And uh, Masters of Sex, which was... Uh, I think HBO or Showtime, one or the other. Nurse Jackie, The Leftovers, which I really enjoyed that series. He did three episodes of that. He did one episode of Better Call Saul. What? <laughs> yeah, just a few years ago. And uh, Fargo and Homeland. He did six episodes of Homeland. So that's pretty cool. You know, this is a guy who loves the business and he's not just typecast as Arnie. He's like, <laughs> you know, get me behind the camera. Yep. Yeah, um, uh, John Stockwell became a director as well. Oh yeah, and he did. He directed uh, Blue Crush. Oh wow! Yeah, the Hawaii one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with uh, Michelle Rodriguez, I think. I think that's who's in it. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, it's about surfers. But yeah, John Stockwell. Um, he was really believable. He's really good. Yeah, really detailed little performance he does. Yeah. I especially like the scenes where he's having to uh, be the middle person between Arnie and his parents. Yeah, he's just standing there drinking milk. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, can't leave because he's blocking the door, and he's yeah, really difficult situation, but he handles it really well. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. They're they're uh, they're getting on his case, saying, "How could you let him do this?" And he's like, "I didn't let him do anything. He chose to buy a car." Yeah, and then I like how people are like, "You should have taught. You should have tried harder to talk him out of that." <laughs> yeah, put it on him. Yeah, he's got a whole bunch of director credits, and uh, yeah, he didn't stop there as far as acting though. He he did. He did work as an actor all the way through, it looks like, 2000. You know, starting in 81, he did a couple things before Christine. And, uh, man, he's, yeah, he's good. I, I didn't really find fault in any of the performances. There were a couple of characters that were maybe a little two-dimensional, but they were sort of background. Mm. But overall, yeah, good stuff. Uh other than the burning car, any favorite scenes, Will? Mm, I think all the kills are pretty good. Um, when he chases the first kid down. Yeah. Yeah, and Moochie. Think, and you think he can't get to him because... Mm-hmm. That narrow little... The narrow little gap he's in. And... Yeah, it's a good order to do it in because when, when you've got to kill a car, you think, oh, I can just go upstairs or something like that. Exactly. But you're stuck out in this like fringe of the town. There's no one around. And there's thinking but through fences. It can go down at narrow alleyways. And... Yeah, it's flying down that alley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's yeah, the first thing you think of is get out of the road, you yeah. idiot. That's the, that's the kill I remember most in the book because he's called Mooch because he's always picking up cash uh like coins oh okay. so his pockets are always full of coins so when he gets wiped out it's just coins, coins everywhere <laughs> that's right nice. uh, and the other thing i, I uh this movie was big for me uh with was the uh the music um really got into rock and roll oh okay this, yeah it's always like nocturnal late 50s doo-wop and even though they hate rock and roll at the end? Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. They oh, hate rock and roll. And uh, another kind of interesting tie-in to... Uh, uh, we talked about Halloween 3. Um, Halloween 2 had uh, Dick Warlock mm-hmm. as Michael Myers. Yes. Halloween 3, he was one of the assassin uh, <coughs> android guys. Mm-hmm. He's a stuntman in this movie. Yes. So, you know, Car- one of Carpenter's favorites to go to. Right. So you, you had a mind. Surely that can't be the man's real name. Dick Warlock. I actually met Dick Warlock, and he, I was like, this guy is like one of those old... Uh, was Cock Wizard 2 on the nose? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't want it to be too obvious. <laughs> But, uh, I'm sure he's a lovely man. I'm so sorry. No, he was he was really nice. Uh, he's he's uh, one of those very fit old men. <laughs> he looks like he's not yeah. gonna put up with anyone's shit, you know. But uh, yeah, he was cool. Surely you you'd have to be with a name like Dick Warlock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine having that? If that's your real name, if that's your name in like middle school. Yeah, that'd be a hard day in the workshop. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. He, on uh, Carpenter, like the year before this, he'd, he'd had uh, like a double, well, triple whammy of uh, he, he wanted to do Firestarter and he couldn't get that. He'd done the thing. Yeah, and it bombed. And that bombed. And Halloween 3 had come out and not done well either. So his name was not doing well no. in Hollywood at the time. 
Um, so he's kind of he wasn't that excited about doing this. It's <clears throat> probably why. Or I mean, uh, I imagine the budget had been set and everything before the thing really came out. So uh, maybe that's why it was a little easier to do because they had given him more money. He was, but yeah, by the end of this, he was really yeah 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 more, more money on the thing. Okay. I think this this was a uh, this was set at nine point seven million. Okay. Um, but the thing the thing is, it got more and more expensive. Mm, yeah. As the effects and so on came in. Yeah, I could see this easily ballooning quickly with all yeah. these cars. But I imagine all the uh, yeah the budget on Christine would be cars, music rights. Mm-hmm. Because you've got like the Rolling Stones and ABBA, and they can't be cheap. Back then, though, I bet they were. Well, you know, like really, you, you got yeah, re- because they weren't because it didn't explode until later. Yeah, um, they they were. I think if the songs were like that year's Rolling Stone hit or whatever, they probably would have had to pay more. Okay, but because it was a little back catalog, they were more willing. And then all the fifty songs, I'm sure they were pretty cheap. Honestly, because yeah. nobody was listening to... It was considered quaint. Yeah. And uh, there, it wasn't really in demand to have Richie Valens or Buddy Holly songs. They weren't licensing them for detergent commercials or anything. It was just like... Yeah. Yeah, they're just old songs. Did you notice there's a Buddy Holly story poster at the uh, drive-in? I did not notice yes. that. Yeah, it's up in the the office or wherever that... Oh, that's cool. Building is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's a, a good what one. What movie were they watching? I couldn't place it i couldn't place no. it either and was that pam greer i don't think so because I, I would have yeah i was like what is that movie but i didn't see it in the credits no so yeah the 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 drive-in was uh still a thing you could find back then but man these days there's only a few they left. come back during the pandemic yeah there oh, yeah there's uh Five or six of them here in Colorado now. Are there really? Yeah. So I was thinking there were one or two. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, Denver's no. one of the holdouts. Yeah, Denver's okay. got a couple, yeah. And the Elvis has always been around. I've been to one. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is I a... remember my parents parking on the hill behind the big screen, you know, <laughs> behind the, the parking lot and watching movies with no sound. <laughs> so no, no sound and as small as your TV. Yeah, if you're watching it at home. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> but it was a new movie, you know, and they didn't have to pay for it. You could follow Splash without the dialogue. Yeah. What do you need to know it's about Splash? Just a comedy. Yeah. It's not like it, del- you know, works on dialogue and timing and everything. <laughs> you see, that would be a fun date night for a couple to make up your own dialogue. Yeah. Why not? You know? Yeah, um, I gotta say though, uh, the uh, the shot at the beginning where you see the assembly line, mm. like where my mind immediately goes is you've got five or six of these belvedere's lined up. And, you know, the Fury is just a belvedere with some extra bells and whistles, so to speak, and you've got like five or six of them in line. You see Christine, and then another one or two, and it's like, man, where? Are these just the cars before they painted them for the movie? Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> I gotta think that's what it is. Yeah. And on the DVD extras, they uh, Carpenter said that they shot that with a uh, less contrasty Fujifilm to get a softer 
look to the colors. So it felt more like a flashback to the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you can definitely tell there's... Yeah, and, uh, you know, they had a, an old factory that they used for the, you know, for the assembly line. Yeah. And uh, Darnell's garage, apparently, was, it doubled as the uh, workshop for them to fix the cars. Yeah, it was like this big old wire factory from the war. Oh, yeah. And, and so about half of it was where they were making Christine's, and then the other half was from the movie. <laughs> it was pretty neat. Like, getting all that, getting all that ins- insider stuff is pretty neat. Um, a friend of mine had... Uh, one year newer than this, it was a 59 Fury, and there was like a minor difference, like a, a tail light was a different, you know, like the little the little lens at the bottom of the tail light was different, and otherwise the whole car was the same. And uh, he got an offer from somebody who sold cars with fins to Japan. Mm. And uh, it's like, they'll go crazy for anything with fins. <laughs> and... Uh, he was gonna he was gonna do the two tone paint job and everything. Mm. He was gonna get some vanity plates. Uh, I forget what he was gonna have it say, but it, that was my buddy Jan. He was a a real a real Chrysler nut. He had uh, old Valiants like I had at the time, and so we used to swap parts and you know go to junkyards and look for stuff. And uh, he he was gonna do it, and then they gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. So there it went. Uh, well. Hopefully the person in Japan had the Christine paint job done. Yeah, you could just hope. Well, I was I was you know living in the UK when this came out, so from my perspective, uh, this was like a America was going through this kind of fifties nostalgia thing. You had like Happy Days and stuff on TV. Yeah, yeah. and it was just on the cusp of turning into the eighties and getting really ugly, in my opinion. But um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was that that this particular time I really liked. Oh yeah, I wanted, I wanted to live in this this California. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, it it's uh, it's funny because the cars really weren't that old at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't that out yeah, of reach. Twenty, 20 years, years. Yeah, and that's what I was telling you earlier. If you remade Christine today. What car from 2000, 2001 would you make as, as your, you know, car? Right. And I can't come up with anything. The that's, PT Cruiser. Yeah. That's the only the only thing that's kind of unusual looking. Uh-huh. Everything else kind of more or less looks like a, a Taurus or a Camry. And yeah. Just like a jelly mold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. There's, um, there's something really fun about you know, seeing a, going to a car show and and seeing, you know, some of the cars that people are selling that aren't restored yet, but then seeing the ones that are finished and all the people who have like stuff laid out to sell. I saw two Shelby Cobras this weekend. (laughs) Really? Like real real ones? Real ones, driving. Damn. Yeah. I mean, when have you seen one? Right. Much less two. There must have been a show nearby. Something, yeah. We were driving up to Wyoming one time and uh, a few years ago, and all these Corvettes kept going by. And it's like, there's clearly a big <laughs> Corvette show somewhere up in Wyoming. Because <laughs> there were way too many. Yeah, we passed a bunch of PT Cruisers, strangely enough. <laughs> one time, it's like, there's an ugly car show going on somewhere. <laughs> uh, in England, uh, uh, there's a place called Bewley. Mm-hmm. And they have like... Uh, uh, classic cars and throughout history, like really old. 
Nice. And they have some of the uh, the world uh, land speed record cars. And, oh. Like the Bluebird and things like that. Yeah. So oh, that's I really that's cool. That's what got my brother hooked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then in France, they got they got really huge car places for all their oh, I'm sure. fancy cars and bikes. Oh, man. So it's got to be your brother's meticulous nature as a surgeon and the money that comes with it. He flipped from <laughs> looking at cars to surgery. It was just the same thing. Yeah. Like taking things apart and putting them back together. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was just like overnight, like, you know, deciding what to do. And now one pace for the yeah, other. Surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, we're, we're right at about an hour. So I got to say, um, uh, the way this thing is paced and brings you around to the, the climax of the whole thing at Darnell's garage with a bulldozer and everything, uh, could you ask for anything better as far as uh, how a movie comes around? I mean, you don't get bored. Mm-mm. You don't lose interest. No. No, I love it. Yeah. This one. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess we can all just say, yes, we recommend it. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Are horror fans going to grouse about this thing not being gory enough or scary enough? Oh, those grousing at the time, you don't remember that. Yeah, probably. Sure. But if you read the book, then the only thing you're missing is an apparition of a rotting corpse. Uh, otherwise, you've got all the same kills. Pretty much people just getting run over. Yeah, I think uh, one of the uh, bad guys gets crushed by a car and, uh, uh, in the workshop or, mm. or in, in the garage or something. Yeah. Yeah, and Mooch gets smashed in half according to what the detective says, but they don't show that. They don't need to. You know. Yeah, in the, in the book he gets smashed and all these coins go everywhere. Yeah. Does he get cut in two? I, I don't remember. Don't remember. <laughs> it's probably worth rereading. It was a good read. Yeah. Yeah. So Nah, life's too short and there's too many books to go back and reread Stephen King. <laughs> oh, and one of the th- yeah, one of the things that I remember came up in the in the extras was they said that by the time they were done filming, or by the time they were ready to release, uh, um, Christine was like on the number one bestseller. Yeah, the paperback was number one, and the hardback was number eleven. <laughs> Isn't that great? There's a <laughs> distinction between the two, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're gonna have success unless the movie sucks, which it didn't. So, yeah. It, uh, but what was Stephen King's reaction to this? <laughs> I think he liked it. Did he? On this. Uh, Cujo and Dead Zone came out the same year and beat those. Oh, okay. Yeah, which they did well too, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it says uh, if we're to believe uh, Wikipedia, upon its release, the film grossed twenty-one million dollars at the U.S. box office. Mm-hmm. So that's on release. I don't know what did it make overall. Eh, it just says twenty-one million, but the budget was ten million, so it doubled its money right out of the gate. And came out in December. So that that's interesting. Mm. One really fun thing to do if you have um, if you have old magazines or if you like old magazines is is get the the fall issues. Like I have uh, Life magazine from the. Uh, it's in fact it's right here. Uh, it's from October of '64. It's about the Warren Report. Oh, okay. And it's got all of the new car ads in it because you know that's, oh, yeah. that's September's the yeah yeah. So for the end of September, so you flip through that and it's like, holy wow, they were really selling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're telling you everything you 
everything you needed to know to make your American dream come true, you know, in full color photos. Um, anything else about this one? I don't think so. Let's see. I, I made some notes on my phone. I want to see if I missed saying any of it. Um, oh, King chose the, the, this particular car because it was the only one of its era that was uncelebrated mm -hmm. as far as fiction and whatnot. You know, everyone was always talking about all the other cars, the, the Chevy Bel Air, you know, the 57 Chevy and yeah. the Corvette and all these important cars. And he's just like, this one was a really cool luxury car with a lot of power under the hood. I seem to remember he named uh, uh, Lee Cabot after Susan Cabot from the 50s, like the Wasp Woman. Yeah. Greatly. Yeah, oh, okay. That makes sense. That's something King would do. Um, yeah, so he he gave a lot of recognition to uh, an unsung vehicle, so that was pretty cool. Um, all right, well, if that's it, uh, we're going to come back next week with Dark Waters, which, you know, if, if uh, listeners are anything like me, <laughs> they had a little trouble, they'll have some trouble finding the right one, because there are like six or seven things oh, yeah. with the same Dark or water. similar. Oh, no. This one is either... Dark Waters. Yeah, Water or Waters. 93. Yeah. Um, and if you look on uh, some sources, they'll say it's 94, but it's 93. Uh, countries of origin are Russia, Italy, and the UK. It's in English, so uh, don't fear. Um, directed by Mariano... Baino. Baino? Ba Baino? Anyway, uh, yeah, that's the one we're talking about. So watch that and see us here in a week. Listeners, thank you for listening. Ta-ta for now. TTFM. <laughs>